Hi guys, thanks for joining us today for the Stand With Me podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carter, and today we will be interviewing Sarah Copen, who is the founder of The Hope Box and has a lot of experience and knowledge with victims of sex trafficking, um, as well as resources, advice, and a story of her own. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and what got you into sex trafficking. Um, sex trafficking, what I have learned over the years, and I'll go more into this a little bit later, but it's a little word that means a lot, and you don't expect it to impact the all of the ages from adults to infants. And to be honest with you, I never would have imagined that infants would be trafficked or that girls would feel forced to sell their infants for trafficking. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing until we got a call one day on our hotline. Um, hey, my pimps or madams um, can, you know, told me that they can get a good price for my baby and I can sell it and not have to work for a couple weeks. And at first I thought I misunderstood her. At first I was like, what? Can, can, what do you mean? Like, can you repeat that? And she began to explain to me, um, you know, just that they can get a good price, they can sell the baby. I I got her information. I said, please don't do this. And she was like, Sarah, I just need a break. And often I think what people don't realize is that when you're pregnant and in that industry, or you're just surviving. Right. It's another form of survival. You're in flight or flight constantly. If, if you understand anything about domestic violence or Stockholm syndrome, it's very manipulative. It's very, it's almost like your head's in a cloud and you can't think for yourself. And so it's the attachment to the child isn't like a typical attachment with a, you know, with your child. Um, the girls that I have talked to that have been very deep in it, um, you basically know you're not just going to walk out that door. You're not just going to leave. You're you know, that's not how it works. And you usually have about four pimps or madams and pimps are boys. Madams are girls. Um, they're kind of the same people um, watching you at all times. And then you have like your scouts and scouts are sent into the community, like churches, schools. They might be in dance classes, your kids, they might, you know, be around your kids' age. And all their job is, is to get kids to certain locations to create products for buyers. Um, and so you, they're not really the pimps or the madams, they're the scouts. Right. Um, not like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, it's different. <laughs> so <laughs> they're actually scouting out for business. And so that is kind of my first kind of encounter to understanding what I do at the Hope Box is I rescue abandoned babies. So anything to do with infant abandonment is something we focus on. Uh, three areas are infants left in hospitals. There's like 22,000 a year. We're the safe haven where a mother can relinquish her infant to any fire, police, hospital, that, um, you know, that type of stuff. And we do all the training for that, best practices, policies, and procedures, accredit people for that. And then, um, we also deal with infants being sold in trafficking ages three and under. And the only reason why we got ages three and under is because at that time, there was another organization that was doing four to 18 and they're no longer around. So we technically have a big issue with an age gap between four to 18. Most of the sex trafficking organizations will only go 
I think the youngest is like 12 year olds. So there's a huge gap. So they don't there. count for younger children. Yes. Yeah. We do the infant side. How we were able to rescue our infants is you can't call the state, um, you know, Department of Family and Children's Services, DFACS, because the child, no crime has happened yet. You can't call the police because no crime has happened yet. So you have to go to a judge. And we were able to go to the judges and um, get a judge to step in and, you know, stop the sale and look further into that. And that's how we were able to save them. I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Um, how do you even have sex with an infant? Right. But I learned the hard way. It's possible. And what happens and to the infant? And it's very graphic. There's a lot of tearing, and um, it's just very, very. I think you have to be totally disconnected from humanity in order to, to help. Point. Right. Yeah, I think we we have done a disservice in this country when it comes to mental health. I absolutely so, agree. Yeah. So is so, that what inspired you? What exactly what, inspired you to work with sex trafficking? Um. Well, what inspired me is to, I'm a huge advocate to defending children in general. I feel like children in general in this country, we have made children part of our budget. Um, as far as each state goes, they have to have so many kids in defects now to meet budget. And a lot of these laws were put in place by Bill Clinton under the Safe Family Act. Um, and it's 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 very deceiving that name and so i'm a huge advocate for children i had a son abandoned with me at age three who had not eaten in a couple days and his mom deeply loved him and she deeply wanted him to be safe and have more opportunities she just couldn't she she couldn't get away from her lifestyle to be able to give that to him and so going through that and experiencing the trauma that a little three-year-old had gone through and lived a lifetime, it really opened my eyes to the issue of abandonment in this country. We focus statistically on ages like, um, so ages four to 18, we focus on, and they're not even the biggest piece of the pie, 75% of our most at-risk children in the entire country are ages three and under with abandoned, oh neglect, God. and abused. And the states don't, if you go really press um, Department of Family and Children's Services, they'll tell you they just don't know what to do with that age group. They typically can't call the police. The laws are put in place not to be able to protect them because they can't typically explain what's happening to them. Right. They only have physical evidence to show that. And so verbally, they don't always know how to express what's happening. And unfortunately, our laws protect the predators over the victims and the younger the victim the less likely gonna go to prison because it's right the baby can't testify yes yeah. yes so i i was very justice and i remember one day being in court and we had just gotten sole custody my husband and i took um so there's custody full custody and sole custody of our son elijah and the judge basically was like off record sarah people like you don't exist to defend kids and i got angry it was like a righteous anger because i was why more people don't stand up especially if a child's being sex trafficked right um in that way sexually I didn't understand that. And that was something that was very devastating to me because I saw firsthand the damage that had been caused. Um, and of course, as a mother, my heart broke for my son. And so 
it it was just one of those things that kind of really took a minute to get used to. But then on top of that, I started having families come to me, grandparents, other people contact me, ask how do they get uh, guardianship? How do they get custody? How do they get rights to the children that they knew were being abused? And how, how, how could they protect them? And so that's when I started joining some boards in Colorado, trying to get defects to communicate in different states. Um, and you actually trying... got a law passed in Georgia, right? We did. The Hope Box passed a law, House Bill 391. Um, yeah, I, it was so funny. Uh, we The original vision of the Hope Box was to put a box in place where a mother could place her baby in that with an and I can't talk today. Oh. <laughs> My brain, I think I'm going to best. <laughs> Originally, it was to put a box in place so a mother basically could legally put her child in that and not be prosecuted. Then we realized in our state the major issues with trafficking of infants. Yes, that box is needed, but there's also that safe haven law I spoke of earlier, and that is where a mother can hand over her child and not be prosecuted in the state of Georgia, the any fireplace or hospital. Um, we're adding EMS to that law. She has 30 days. At the time, she had seven days, and she was required to leave her information. Well, if you're in trafficking, domestic violence, or in an incest issue within your family, you're probably not going to leave your information. Not going right. to happen. So, therefore, you're more likely to abandon your child. Put it in a dumpster, a drawer, hide it somewhere, put it in the woods, because you don't want anybody to know about this child and so that was a huge issue so that's when we went in and added the 30 days you're not required to leave your information as long as you hand that over to one of these people and then you just enact a safe haven law and walk away now you do have the right to get medical care for instance we have moms that will show up to fire stations and the umbilical cord is still attached to that baby that tells us she did not have that baby in the hospital therefore we don't know if she has all of her placenta out. If she walks away and she has not delivered all of her placenta, it could throw her into a whole medical issue there and cause her to end up getting high fever and dying. We don't want that. So she has the right to still remain anonymous and be transferred to the under the safe haven law, and that would totally protect her. So training a lot of our fire and police and hospitals mm -hmm. in that, you know, to let them know they have the right to medical care. Um, still. Um, so yeah, th there's just a lot of issues with that. A lot of infants are put in wheelchairs outside of hospitals. Uh, we've had helicopter pads. We've had, you name it, just <laughs> all sorts of reasons why. And a lot of people tend to think that a mom in trafficking or facing this type of situation, like she got her something. No, nobody wakes up and says, I want to be in trafficking. Um, to go through trafficking, one of the first things they'll do is what's called breaking you down. So they'll have sex with you like up to 60 times a day. Sometimes your uterus will fall out. Sometimes it won't. Like they break you down to like oh my God. whatever. So when you see an officer yelling at a victim in trafficking, what they have done to her is so much worse than that officer yelling at them. And so that's why she's not talking because she's more afraid of them than she is the authorities, you know, right. and, and so often though they haven't eaten, that's something we train a lot of officers in, like give them food. They put, offer a candy bar, offer water. She's probably not eating like 
phase, <laughs> you know, yeah. but yelling is not going to do anything um, just because what they've been through is a lot. A lot of girls tend to grow up in a family where it's business and that is kind of the family business. Um, usually their mom sold every drug under the sun and basically got into trafficking. There's more money in trafficking than there is in drugs because you can reuse a product over and over again. They typically take all your identification information. Again, that's why the safe haven law is so important because they may not even know what state they're in, let alone, you know, have any of their information on them. Um, It's not something that, again, you wake up and you just get into. And it's men and women. It's not just guys. Often the pimps were originally trafficked as little boys and, you know, that's just the business they know. And the traffickers they, usually, like, get into that business because of, like, money and power, right? Yes. But, like, any good person that's high up in that business, uh, uh, take the drug industry. If you're a really good drug dealer and you're high up, you never touch the drugs. You never, you're never near the drugs. You don't even deal with any of that side. You have all these minions. So all these people, when they're like, yay, we arrested all these pimps or all these people, they're just low-end people. You didn't actually take care of the problem. You didn't actually get to the root of it. All you did was arrest a bunch of minions. Mm-hmm. You can get anybody to do anything for a certain amount of money half the time. Right. So that's all, you know, people don't actually understand how it works. There's a lot of front businesses. Um, so what I mean by that is it's a business that operates as a business but behind the scenes they're 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 runners they're running girls and children through trafficking and so you know there's a lot of that stuff that goes on is there a reason why like women are the most trafficked because women and girls are pretty trafficked just because they're easier to handle uh but there is a huge market for boys don't get me wrong. There's a large market for boys. No, don't make me take you out right now. One second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to save home, like walk away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, there's a huge market for boys, too. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about that. And it's actually harder for boys to come out because they're more ashamed to talk about it. Like, if you've been gang raped by a bunch of men and you're a boy, you know, I mean, a lot of there's still a lot of misunderstandings around that. Right. I actually had somebody come up to me and be like, well, it's different for boys and girls. And I was like, oh, is it? And they were like, yeah, it is. It's not as traumatizing. I said, oh, really? Because I had four sons and the, you know, that boys are physical. So when they see something that they can't get it out there. So they're like picture focused. Right. Mm-hmm. So they see something and it triggers their mind. Um, and it just, they're never going to forget that image type of thing. Girls are like noodles. So we can kind of go into the wall, create a multiple personality. We're going to go, you know, we're going to like distance ourselves from the situation. Yes. From the trauma. Boys can't do that. And when they see like something happening to them and their body's reacting and they visually have a vision of that and they don't like it, but their body's reacting to it. It's very confusing and very traumatizing. It's a little bit different. It's not like they can leave. They don't leave their body the same way a girl yeah. will. So it's pretty, it's it's a different, it's just as traumatizing in a different way. When victims are offered help, do they ever deny it? 
Yes. Sometimes they're not ready to get out of it. Um, often they believe whoever initially brought them in genuinely loves them and has their best interest. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they totally um, believe that they have to want to get out. Sometimes it's hard to get out. You don't feel like society is going to accept you right. in the same way. Um, and when people talk to you, it's they don't understand that world. And so they assume that... You know, you're just you're just gonna be around bad people. Does that make sense? Yeah. They make some really bad assumptions. There's three ways for victims to get out. Usually, there's the initial where they get out and they, in the beginning, you know, kind of just have to separate themselves from that all their friends. I mean, imagine all their friends if they had family involved, anything. They totally have to kind of walk away from all of that is really hard and then there's the second stage of getting out of trafficking and that is where like you're going through a lot of counseling a lot of therapy you know you're you know you're you're doing the work you need to do to get out and then there's the third stage and that's reacclimating into society um that can be hard especially when you might not have a lot of skill sets so it's just people taking a chance on you and giving you a job and helping you to reacclimate and trying not to fall back into old patterns like distrust with people. Um, and it's not always like they're being held hostage in like a basement, right? Like yeah. they can live their normal lives and just be like yes, brought into that as well. So a lot of times it's not like they're being held hostage. It is. It can be anything from trafficking with strip clubs to trafficking um I knew of a family, parents that were trafficking their teenage daughter uh, to a car dealership. Um, I know of boys in middle school that traffic their girlfriends and they get a girlfriend and it's her first boyfriend and she thinks he really loves her. And he asked her to do favors for his friends on the weekends when her parents think she's over there watching movies. And she doesn't know it's trafficking. So if you were to say you're being trafficked, she would be like, I'm not being trafficked. I'm just doing them favors. You know, right. that's trafficking. That's why trafficking is such a little word. That means a lot. I met a woman one time after I spoke at a conference. She came up to me and she said, this is the first time I realized my dad trafficked me. And I said, tell me about that. And she began to tell me she was one of five kids. She was the middle one. She was the only one out of the five kids that was used to have sex with like cousins, uncles, you know, different people in the community on a regular basis. It was made to be so normal in her home that she assumed there was one child in every family that was used this way. They went to church. Her father was very involved in the community, very involved in leadership, you know, in the schools. Nobody ever knew that. But it, again, it was made so normal. She didn't even know she was trapped. They're brainwashed, basically. Yeah, like, and, and you can call it brainwashing, but that's what I, that's something to understand is what, it, what is my normal, what I grew up with is not somebody else's normal. So you, that word, that word can mean so many things to so many people. Right. Um, so it's not, it just depends. And so when you get into this, you start to understand when people talk about trafficking, they usually have an idea, but it's just a little word that means so much. So many different things for different people. Yes. 
Um, are there any warning signs that we can watch out for to prevent ourselves or other people from being trafficked? If you come in contact with someone and they ask for your phone, don't ever give your phone to anyone. Often what can happen is, let's just say Elizabeth walked up to me and said, hey, can I, can I, you know, look on your phone, look at your pictures or check your snap or whatever. And a lot of young people don't realize is they can take that phone and what they'll do is they'll take your pictures and they'll send them out in the area to see if there's a buyer. That way the buyer directly has your location and a picture of you. It's as easy as that. <laughs> um, and you have no idea that they even did that. You thought they were taking pictures or looking at your stuff and you trusted your friend, you know, so don't ever give your phone to anyone ever. You want to look for things like if you see like a, a T3 or like a TM and C, like that is like how many people like a T3, there's three people, a mom and two kids, you know, that type of thing. Like they uh, like dusty cars on the back of cars. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's somebody that's been scouting out the parking lot, watching people get out of their cars, like at a Target or a grocery store. They go put that in the back of the car, and then that lets the other guys know, you know, who to pick up or who to follow. Um, and then they'll pick you up from there. There is now even a drug that's in the water. It's tasteless and sealess. Don't ever, ever take a drink from anyone, even a glass of water. Often they'll give it to these girls, like they'll show up somewhere. I'm like, hey, you want a glass of water? Sure, it seems innocent. They drug you and they sell you down the road. So don't do that. <laughs> um, there is a nail polish out there. I don't know the name of it. I really should remember it, but I don't. A bunch of college girls created and it will tell you if your drink is compromised. And so you can actually wear it and it'll change colors That's if awesome. your drink has been compromised. So that is a tip. That's really cool. I would definitely get that. <laughs> um, never stop, even for an officer in an unlit area. You can call 911 and say, I have an officer pulling me over. Would you let him know I'm going to be pulling over in the next lit area? Don't even stop for a cop. There's been issues of fake cops mm -hmm. pulling girls over, and they think it's an officer. No, they're being trafficked. Um, what about... Uh, um, yeah. What about like social media? Social media. Don't be friends with people. Don't think that just because you see somebody's pictures, be very aware if you don't personally know them, because you can totally steal anybody's identity and say you're an 18 year old boy and you're really talking to a 40 year old man. Never send, no, whatever you put on the internet is permanent. Even if it's deleted, it's permanent. It's the iCloud. I can find anything I want on anyone, and I can make up anything I want on anyone. So I could literally put my head on someone else or put my and tell someone that was me, and you wouldn't really know the difference. Right. So understand how that, you know, how the internet actually works, the algorithms. There's nothing private whatever you post, even the secret Snapchats that disappear in 24 hours, that's permanent. Um, you guys have something in, in your generation that you you have to deal with that my generation didn't. So when I was young, there wasn't this 
access to information and also access to people like there is now. And so you can only go so far back on my generation, on your generation. Unfortunately, you can basically document your entire life <laughs> through that. So keep that in mind. Like everything you do is permanent, um, which is really hard. I think it's really hard because we don't, we didn't, we didn't know this wasn't a thing. I had a pager. It wasn't <laughs> a thing, you know? It's not like I can call my dad and be like, so what did you do when I got Snapchat? <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't know. We didn't know, you know? Like, it wasn't a thing. And so um, have grace on your parents in this day and age. They're doing their best in a very unprecedented time. Uh, the other thing is, is look out for people that constantly tell you that your family doesn't understand you or they don't accept you for who you are, or they just, you know, I, I'm the only one that's going to love you or anybody that's buying you a bunch of stuff. Um, just know that that's all a part of trafficking. They can go months just like yeah, grooming, you. right? Yes. They can go months. So anything like that are triggers. Um, my daughter, Hannah almost got trafficked three times, but she has me for a mom. <laughs> so it didn't work out. So, um, once at Chick-fil-A, one in our high school, and then another time, um, what was the third time? There was a third time. High school, Chick-fil-A, oh, at a coffee shop. And what, how, did she, how did you know that that's what was um, happening? So, first of all, we went to a coffee shop. I said, why don't you find us a seat? And so she went to find us a seat. I went to get in line. It was a very long line, so I was gone for a minute. And this older man came and sat by her and was like, hey, uh, what high school like, do you go to? And like the, all those things are triggers. Where do you live? What high school? Where do you work? How long have you lived here? Do you have family? He just started asking her all these questions. And she was, she knew immediately. She was like, I'm not going to talk. She was like, say, you know, like you need to leave, you know. And he was very persistent and I wasn't around. And so paying attention to that stuff, don't ever answer those questions. Don't ever on Xbox tell someone where you live. Don't don't share information like that. Um, so that was one time in the coffee shop. Time in the high school was a scout, a girl that was crying. And her job was to find girls and try to get them to go to um, Walmart and Sparkles and Target parking lots and meet 30-year-old men. And she was trying to group, she gave Hannah some sob story, long story short. And I was able to figure out that she was working for a group in Marietta and Paulding County. So it would be like Longmont to Firestone would be the best way to explain it as far as distance. And it was um, an apartment complex and, you know, let's just say Longmont and then a hotel in Paulding County. I mean, and not Paulding County, sorry, <laughs> Firestone. So it's like that. And, but they were working coinciding together for a whole thing. And so she was trying to get Hannah into that. I was able to expose it. And, you know, there's a sex trafficking task force in about every single County. So I drove her directly to them and said, you can either be a victim and tell them everything, you know, or you, I'm going to implement you as one of the criminals. Um, things like don't even go out to your driveway. If somebody like that is in your life and they're like, well, just come meet me in your driveway. Don't do that. So many kids have disappeared that way. We saw 98% rise of children going missing in 2020 and nobody knows where they're at and nobody's talking about it. I know. And we saw defects offices closed department of family, children services throughout the country. 
Like our state closed 50 of them. It's terrible. So there's a huge amount of kids going missing and that's not conversation. Plus we saw suicides go up about 200%. So all of it is connected. All of it somehow is connected. It's not like an isolated situation. It's all groomed in. Um, what role do infants play in the sex trafficking industry? Infants are sold for two reasons, for organs or sex. Their organs are worth a lot of money. So full-term full abortions go for a lot. And then if you can have a baby born alive, you're even going to sell it for more. <laughs> so um, their cells are like amazing batteries and all of their organs. So a lot of it can go into uh, vaccinations. Um, and they can go into makeup, lotions, any type of sometimes skin creams if you don't know what you're looking for. The tightening stuff, That's a lot of that stuff has to do with infant stuff. Uh, your, your bodies tend to adapt better to an infant cellular system than an adult because it's not damaged. It's new. It's, you know, like the matrix and all this weird stuff. It's all real. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, so that is one reason why they're sold for a lot of money, and that is trafficking. And then they're also sold for sex. Um, unfortunately, there is one religion out there that believes if you have sex with an infant, you, you will be cured of your disease. It's a thing. Um, And then there's also just men that have an obsession. They probably got into pornography. And if you know anything about pornography, once you start looking at it, it literally changes your brain like drugs do. And you become more and more addicted. It's like starting out with pot as a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. And then it just builds up to harder drugs. Because it doesn't satisfy them anymore. Right. So they get deeper and deeper, eventually younger and younger, and they get into sex. And unfortunately, how they have sex with them, if if you think about an infant, you can share this or not share this, but um, their sucking mechanism, if you put something at the roof of their mouth, they can't help but suck it. So infants have died from sucking, uh, from not being able to breathe and sucking on something that was very inappropriate. And then they've also died um, from being ripped apart. If you ever notice, if you've ever looked at sex trafficked victims, young children particularly, ages three and under, and they have very, very dark eyes, they actually call them um, raccoon eyes in the sex trafficking world. That is due to being abused sexually, men having sex with them down there, and their little bodies can't take the impact. And so Aww. it makes their eyes black. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very dark. <laughs> um, so when you, when you see things and people are joking around about raccoon eyes, I want to throw up because I know exactly how they got them. Oh, my God. Um, so we talked about the Hope Box earlier. What is the Hope Box doing to fight against sex trafficking? The Hope Box, um, well, I wrote a book called To Hope, so you can look that up by Sarah Keppen. Wow, um, You can order that you. on Amazon, um, I think Barnes & Noble, any of those types of places. It's just a little book, but it'll kind of share about me, the Hope Box, where it's headed, and then also lives we've impacted. So that is awesome. Uh, we also are the sex trafficking expert for ages three and under. I think we're the only ones in the country that advocate and will actually say anything We're told that to focus on this age group particularly because they're the most at risk 
is very dangerous, but I figure if I go out doing the right thing for the youngest in our country, I'm good with that. <laughs> so take me out for it. Seriously. Yeah. Um, I just can't look the other way, especially when it comes to an innocent child. I just can't. Sorry. Um, so that is, we, we definitely advocate, talk about it, how it's happening, why it's happening. And Bring it is a very hard thing to, to talk about for some people. Um, and that's okay. I understand those that just can't go there emotionally. Tips I can give you is if you decide to go down that rabbit hole, don't ever picture your own children or your own family. You need to keep that separate. Sorry, my dogs have decided to play. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can go check out the Hope Box at thehopebox.org. You can also, there's tons of articles about us, you know, tons of stuff. You can also email us at info at the Hope Box or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Awesome. Oh, we have a podcast. You can oh. go on Apple and watch our pod, listen to our podcast. The Hope Box year. podcast? Yes, yeah. It's called Bringing Hope. Awesome. Um, any last words or piece of advice that you want to share? Yes. Trust your gut. No, you're not crazy. <laughs> Always. Um, if somebody ever tells you not to tell someone and they're going to tell all your family and friends that you're a whore or you did this or whatever, please do not be afraid of what your family and friends will think about. Don't be afraid of your teachers and your parents or your foster parents or whoever, they, if it's a defects worker that you work with, maybe you don't have parents, tell them anyhow what is going on. Because uh, there was a case of a girl here in Georgia she was young, she was in high school, beautiful young lady, dad was a senior pastor, started dating this Christian boy, went and got ice cream, he took her behind the ice cream and had a bunch of guys rape her, gang rape her, and they took pictures and they said, if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're gonna send them to everyone, everybody's gonna know what a whore you are. And she was so afraid to tell people that she didn't, well then they would call her regularly and have her do like turn tricks you know, meet guys that would pay for sex. And one guy one night tried to murder her. She oh ended God. up defending herself and murdered him instead. Well, now she's got life, life in prison for murder because all, and her parents had no idea what was happening to her. None. And I, that'd be my biggest advice. If somebody tells you, you know, they're going to tell everybody that and it's that's all, all the you, more reason to tell. Tell. Tell somebody, trust me, has a parent or an adult, I will not look down on you. I will not judge you. I will not, I don't care if it's something that you think everybody is. You're not a whore. It happened. It sucks. Please tell somebody so that you don't have to keep facing this alone. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. That was an interview with Sarah Copen the founder and director of The Hope Box, who is also an author and expert on infant abandonment, child sex trafficking, infants left in hospitals, and safe haven laws. I hope that what she shared today encourages you, informs you, and keeps you safe. Remember to be aware and always trust your gut. Thanks again for listening to the Stand With Me podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Carter, and I hope that after listening to today's podcast, you decide to stand with me on the growing issue of sex trafficking. Thank you.